Welcome in to another edition of the From the Loop podcast with my gracious co-host Matt Mellemsetter. I'm Tim Stebbins. Matt, hey, dang, I, was, I know you yeah. do it every time. Yeah, I was like, I, I, I timed it late. I normally do it after my name, but I was, yeah. I wasn't on time this time. I was like, wait, wait, don't interrupt. It. I always interrupt yeah. it. And I was like, I know this time it's coming, and I and we both missed it. I screwed the, <laughs> screwed the pooch. Um, We'll get it next time on episode 12. But yeah, this is episode 11 of the From the Loop podcast. Actually, From the Loop of Chicago this week. Not the Lincoln Park. Um, At Apple, what you doing? They they called it Lincoln Park Loop, and I didn't name it as such on our RSS feed. And I I saved it again, and they they wouldn't change the name. So it looks stupid. You, you, You play with the hand you're dealt. But yeah, well, we're, we got our cards on the table, and that's all we we're can all do. We're all in, baby. Episode 11. This is the one where we get our name back. Oh, yeah. And we're going to be... Bet it all on black. Let it ride. Let's, Let's go. Get it. Uh, this is a huge week, and uh, last week was not a bad week, or last episode, rather. It wasn't a bad news week, but all of a sudden, we went from not necessarily struggling for topic ideas, but hmm, what should we pick of these okay topics? Yeah. Now it's like, oh, crap. We have too many good topics. What do we choose? We're going to go for an hour and a half this week. I hope you're strapped in. And we're just like, football. <laughs> yeah. Football, the happy league new year. Yeah. Uh, even though it started Wednesday, it really started Monday when, what is it? Legal, legal tampering. tampering. Yeah, when Le- legal tampering opened up. That is the dumbest phrase I've ever heard. It's just, terrible. Just call it free agency opens on Monday, not Wednesday. Can't sign, yeah. The free agency opens on Monday. You can't sign contracts till Wednesday. Exactly. Can't, Legal tampering. Ink, ink can't hit paper till Wednesday. We can get into some of these moves eventually, but I heard that some of these deals, at the very least, were discussed at the NFL tr- Combine. Yeah. Which is like, it's been, this is such a ridiculous system. Yeah. It's bogus. And naturally, like, I would say upwards of uh, close to 100 decent football free agents, like good players, yeah. start, were signed already. Football is 53-man roster, so take that with what you will. Baseball it took till spring training started after for your top two free agents, twenty six year old superstars Machado and Bryce Harper to get signed. Yeah, and football's like, nah, we ain't we, gonna wait. We got it done before <laughs> it's even allowed for us to be talking about it. We got bigger fish to fry, aka the draft yeah. um, and pro days to go to. So good on them. Um, we're going to for our key of the week discuss free agency. Sure. But in our four things you need to know, we're gonna save the big fish. So if you're looking for Antonio Brown. Odell Beckham Jr., Le'Veon Bell. Stay tuned for that. Right now, though, we're going to do the the moves we like that aren't those guys. And there's sure. a lot of good moves. Sure. Um, I know you are dying to talk about the Green Bay Packers moves yeah. that you like, and you said on Charlie Bevan's show, Soapbox, at Radio to Paul Sports Day, you like their moves a lot. So who'd, who'd they get, and what? how does that feel with the Packers? Uh, so the Packers got uh, outside linebacker Zadarius Smith, uh, formerly of the Ravens. They got outside linebacker Preston Smith, formerly of the Washington football team, and uh, Adrian Amos, uh, safety from the Bears, as well as uh, Billy Turner. Um, I believe he was with the Broncos. He's kind of been all over. He's not the big fish to fry here. There's three other uh, signings that I think are much more uh, indicative of how the Packers are kind of moving forward next year. The Green Bay Packers use free agency smartly. You can't use free agency to try and get your big fish that's going to seal the championship for you. I think it's best to use free agency as a way to kind of flesh out your rosters and fill in starter-level positions, but not necessarily looking for, like, all-pro-type guys. It's You're always going to overpay for those kind of guys. It's 
when you're looking in that kind of medium range and guys who project upwards from where they're at now that you're going to see the most success. And I think all four of these guys, I mean, Billy Turner, uh, kind of the least of the four, but all of them I, I'm very happy with. Yeah, and uh, you talked about overpaying. Uh, Landon Collins got a six-year deal, whether it's actually for six years and yeah. he stays there for six years with the Washington Redskins to be determined, but one of the Packers moves all for four years, these bigger ones. Yeah, all, it, it, what it signals to me is that they're locking in for four years. Like these next four years, that's when Aaron Rodgers is probably finished is at the end of these four years. Um, and so they're saying, we're championship we're putting all of our – we're going all in. Just like a, from the loop is going all in this week, <laughs> uh, the Packers are going all in with Rodgers' championship window closing. And these are smart because they might not even go for four years, yeah. but as you said, if they are locking in for four years, they didn't pay for six and mm-hmm. have Aaron Rodgers potentially be done in four and, oh, no, we have to pay Landon Collins for two more years or something. Yeah, and also these guys are all like 26 or 27, so they'll only be 30 or 31 when that time hits, and that's kind of like when the prime closes. Uh, yeah, Adrian Amos, I think is twenty six, right? In April, so yeah, yeah. You're, you're spot yeah. on. And I, I think Preston Smith's twenty six, and I think Zedarius is twenty seven. Um, and I couldn't tell you the age of Billy Turner off the top of my head. God knows. Um, but like he's twenty seven. I just turned there you go. he's he's from Shoreview, spot Minnesota. On. He's twenty seven. Um, so yeah, all these deals are guys who are going to be in their physical prime throughout the length of this contract. It's it's kind of just hoping that these fill positional needs which allow you to go after playmakers in the draft and get those kind of young, super talented guys in the draft on those low contracts. And I think that's what we're going to see from the Green Bay Packers this, this uh, when's the draft, you know? Uh, I want to say like April 20, it might be my my birthday, hey. to be honest. Uh, April 25th, yes. April 25th through April 27th, yeah. April 25th, I think we're going to see the Packers take some aggressive moves with the 12th and 30th pick. I was going to ask what pick they had, so thanks for answering that. <laughs> yeah. Um, However, they out the door. Nick Perry, Clay Matthews, Randall Cobb. Are they presumably all three gone? All three gone. I I, I think there's maybe a slight possibility if no one gives Clay Matthews anything, he comes back and plays kind of a a rotational role as an interior linebacker instead of being a pass rusher full time, because um, he's serviceable as a tackler and serviceable as a run stopper. Situational he, pass rusher, maybe. Situational pass rusher every once in a while. Uh, somebody, But he just doesn't have the physical capability to be who he used to be and the money that he used to be. But I, I see some bad team paying him a lot of money because you're going to sell a lot of jerseys. Apparently the Rams are interested in him, which is weird because they— Sure, man. I mean, and Sue is a free agent, yeah. um, but they they just signed Dante Fowler again. and Yeah. I, I don't— know if you need to plug in an aging pass rusher when you have a, a good defense like that. Yeah. The the Packers, I don't know if it was uh, Gunkins or someone else in their front office, but yeah. the way they talked at this press conference for these new guys was say, it, it all but implied without saying it. Yeah, he's he's thank you for playing for us yeah. and good good we appreciate it. Hopefully yeah. you get a contract elsewhere. Uh, Muhammad Wilgerson, is he any chance he goes back to Green Bay? I think a good chance. I think the reports are that like he's interested in it. Um I mean, he was signed for a one-year, $5 million deal last year. Broke his fibula, right? Broke his, uh, I don't know what a fibula is. It's in the leg, right? It's like this long leg bone, I think. Yeah, he broke He broke something <laughs> in the leg real bad. Science. Uh, it's one on the, the it, knee down. Yeah, and so I think if if we can get him back, if the Green Bay Packers can get him back on like a one-year kind of prove-it deal again, um, that would be worth something for less than $5 million. I believe the Packers have about $17 million in cap space left uh, with $10 million of that going to their draft picks. It's um, enough for another move or two. So $7 million, uh, you want to leave a few million open for in 
for during the season signings, um, and this is all going to fluctuate based on who makes the 53 and everything, but um, yeah, there's enough there for, I think, maybe a Bashad, Bashad Breland signing, maybe a Muhammad Wilkerson signing, something in that range. There's also training camp possibilities where yeah. people might get cut. Um, Robbie Gold a couple years ago, right before the season started, um, and yeah. I think Justin in training camp by the Packers was cut too. He yeah. went to the Bears. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they, this is a front office that has also been a lot more like active in like uh, trades and stuff. So this all could be shaken up in an instant in Green Bay. I like the football season because it's really never off. Yeah. And whether now in the 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 legal tampering period and then into free agency mm-hmm. and the draft and the OTAs and training camp, blah blah blah, season it's always action. It's cool. Um, the Bears. Just because I have to throw my Bears sure, Chicago two cents in, uh, Cordero Patterson. I think that's a good move in the sense that you don't have to expose Treat Cone and Anthony Miller mm-hmm. to kick return anymore. But you're paying him. They didn't pay him, overpay him in a sense, but the what, kickoff is becoming. What are the numbers on his thing? I th- see. This is great podcasting. Sure. It was a two-year deal, and I don't think it was for more than like five and a half million dollars or so. I think that's a good signing. Ten year, two for two, two for ten. Yeah, two for ten. Fine. But just the kickoff. He's not only going to be used as a kickoff returner. You talked about uh, how the Patriots used him yeah. in the backfield, and Matt Nagy does all sorts of weird uh, movement in the Fun. backfield. So he could be used in that way. But as a kick returner, if that's the area he makes the most impact, which isn't going to be the case. It's like the kickoff's becoming kind of not a thing. Yeah, it's, I think, slowly being phased out of, I mean, they moved it to the 25-yard for the touch touchbacks. The AAF has completely phased it out, and it has not influenced the way the game is played at all. Uh, it's the most dangerous play in sports, um, yeah. and it, it they've made a lot of changes to it in the last year. Cordero Patterson, when he was in uh, New England, they used him in the backfield similar to how he would, like, hit a wall of uh, like people coming out in a kickoff so that he would be usable in the backfield as a running back when the Patriots ran out of running backs. And so he's somebody with like backfield experience who's a not a great pass catcher, but he can catch the football sometimes. He's a kickoff specialist. He's got a, he's a lot of uh, he's got a lot of tools on his utility belt that I think <laughs> Matt Nagy's going to really like. He's probably the sixth receiving option off yeah. the top of my head with uh, Robinson. Cohen, Anthony Miller, um, Trey Burton, and there's one more receiver, Taylor Gabriel. So yeah. sixth is best. Um, Bears also went out and got Mike Davis, who's basically just going to replace Benny Cunningham and uh, Tavon Mizell, who, for whatever reason, God knows why, was getting rushing attempts of over Tariq Cohen yeah. into the playoffs even. Um, Bears got hot. Load then, management. Load management. Yeah, the, the Le- LeBron, LeBron James effect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your your boy Haha Clinton Dix, yeah. the Bears picked him up one year for three and a half million. Yeah, I think this is a good time to offer uh, the optimistic perspective. Yeah, and from what and I, I try not to let fandom come sure. out of me. It's just kind of what I read, and I let the media alter my viewpoints sure. to a fault. Sure. So I will say mine, and then you could give the opposite perspective of what could happen. Yeah. Haha Clinton Dix for one year at three and a half million is a solid value for a second All Pro in 2016. Um, you're not going to pay Adrian Amos what the Packers gave him when he's your seventh best defender or so, and for the sake of listing it in no order, especially ex- except number one. Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson, Roquan Smith, Leonard Floyd, probably Adrian Amos seventh. Um, paying Amos four for 37 wasn't feasible. So in that sense, a good deal. One year, three and a half, prove it deal. He, he has shown the ability to take the ball away. 
you can talk about in a second how that might be uh, fabricated in a way, maybe yeah. misconceiving. But it, it could turn out really well, and he doesn't have to be a great D guy back there. He plays behind a good defense, and maybe he can be opportunistic. On the other hand... Yeah, he was really, really bad over his last few years with the Packers. Uh, once he got that All-Pro designation, reports were out of the locker room that he kind of stopped watching film. He kind of stopped working. He kind of stopped... Uh, like, he thought that the paycheck was imminent. Like, he thought he was going to get a bag, like, right away. And it... it You can see the value that teams had in HaHa Clinton Dix, where a year before when he was an All-Pro, Packers ship him off for a fourth-rounder to Washington, and then... Give up on him, essentially. He get, it, Yeah, HaHa Clinton Dix... Uh, I, I've been calling for Ha Clintix to be out since he was an All Pro. Yep. He <laughs> he gave up on the Packers in the NFC Championship game. He gave up on the Packers all through the last few years of Dom Capers' uh, system. He didn't ever get criticized in Dom Capers' system. He was kind of allowed to be the center fielding ball hawk type of guy who can just go and do whatever he wants and go get the ball. And he kind of wasn't very good at that over the last year. He was taking bad routes. He wasn't pursuing correctly. He was never in the right spots. Um, and then when Mike Patton came in, and Mike Patton was kind of a lot tougher on the defense than Dom Capers had been in the past, and HaHa Clinton Dix did not respond to that and did not respond to his new role as kind of like a little bit more of like playing up close to the line and being in coverage a little bit more and not being as freewheeling as he had been in the past. HaHa Clinton Dix did not respond to that, and this was a locker room in a new front office that just kind of shipped off anybody that was not in with the culture, uh, and so he got sent to Washington for just a fourth-round pick, and then Washington didn't re-sign him. They were interested in him, I think, for more than the one and three and a half million the Bears gave yeah. him. Um, to your point, though, Jason Wiley, does he sound familiar to Packers beat writer? Um, he had said the same thing where under uh, Don Capers, yeah, High Clinton Dix was not uh, as accountable. He wasn't as held accountable, yeah. and... When Penny came in, that changed. It also said on uh, NFL.com when they analyzed like all the free agents and such that he had occasional lapses in coverage. To your point as well. Yeah. So, in that sense, that is that that could be critical because yep. Adrian Amos showed, you know, he played up towards the line. He he didn't have that happen. Yeah, I I think if there's anything that Adrian Amos can be credited with, it's that he doesn't make mistakes. Adrian Amos is always in the right spot. You can always depend on Adrian Amos, and that allowed Eddie Jackson to be the freewheeling superstar that he became last year, where he could cover half of the field, not have to worry about anything underneath because Adrian Amos is able to diagnose all those crossers and dig routes and underneath stuff. But it, with Ha Ha Clinton Dix, they're like, Ha Ha Clinton Dix doesn't play underneath. Ha Ha Clinton Dix wants to be that deep side ball hawking free safety. And that's what Eddie Jackson does. And like so similar players. They're very similar players. It's just that Eddie Jackson is f a full three steps up from HaHa -Ha Clinton Dix. I mean, you know, I, I don't expect HaHa -Ha Clinton Dix to provide much in run support for the Bears next year. I don't expect him to provide much like up at the line of scrimmage like Adrian Amos did. I I I wonder if he's going to be more of like a rotational piece on the back end, kind of like a nickelbacker in the safety group. Kind of like a maybe safety. Yeah, like a sometimes like defensive back that kind of plays a little man coverage on a guy. Like I, I don't know how they're going to use him opposite of Eddie Jackson. It seems like a strange way to do it, um, but we'll see. I, you know, I was happy to see Haka Clinton Dix gone. I, <laughs> it's it's been funny seeing like all of the Bears reactions, which are like, this is the best thing in the world. This is an upgrade from Adrian Amos. This is crazy. Like. Contract value-wise, like, yeah, Hawkland Knicks at $3.5 million is really good. But 
for what we've seen of what his peaks and what his valleys are, if you get the valleys, that's what his value is. Like if if you get the bad ha Clinton Dix, he's worth three point five million dollars, and that's why no one signed him. That's why the Packers got rid of him for fourth round draft pick. Like, but if he's if he's on man, a one year prove it deal to get that big contract next year, like this could be it. Yeah, and uh, the same guy who said the thing about accountability, the Packers beat Redder, uh, Jason Wiley. He was saying Bears fans shouldn't, and as he put it, poo poo the signing. Yeah, because. It is so cheap, and the the ability is there, and like the prove it factor could be huge. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, it's it's like this is a guy who really expected to get paid and didn't, and so you kind wake of wake up call a wake up call of kind of like, hey, n- no one thinks you're in that top category anymore. Plus, he's he was he's buddies with Eddie Jackson. There's a connection there already. Like you you hope that for his sake and for his money's sake and everything, like after this, he can go get a big contract. He can play really well this year and go get a big contract, but. Over the last two years of his rookie deal in Green Bay, you know, it really looked like he was trying to he was playing to avoid injury so he could make it to that big contract. It looked like he was taking plays off and not coming up and laying a hit down or making contact or playing through the play and finishing off the play because he was scared of injury. And he just looked like he was playing timid on the field. And if if you're playing timid, like you're not going to get paid. You can't do that in football. Can't, uh-huh. You can't. I think it's a win-win if he does perform well because there's no way the Bears can re-sign him when Eddie Jackson is going to be due for yeah. a uh, contract after 20, let's do math here, 15, 16, 17, After 2019, I think he's going to be uh, yeah. needing a new deal. Um, so Eddie Jackson's they're, they're going to pay him of the two safeties just because the homegrown guy. Yeah. Um, but the, I, I was more disappointed in, despite all that being said, Buster Screen, from what I haven't looked into it, yeah. apparently that guy is a pass interference machine. and. Yeah. He's not great. If you're dropping from Bryce Callan, who's one of the most underrated uh, defensive backs in 2019 or 2018, maybe underrated, it's not even doing him, maybe it's doing him a disservice. Sure. To, from my basic knowledge of Buster Screen, a guy who commits untimely penalties, and this is like fans who are saying this, yeah. replying to tweets about, oh, he's gone, and they were like celebrating his yeah. departure. That That is, that is a, a red light for me, but I haven't, I don't know enough about him to make a declaration. Yeah, I I I I think Adrian Amos leaving is going to be bigger than Bryce Callahan leaving. I think the way that Adrian Amos played really opened up that defense and allowed them to be who they are. I think the Bears defense is going to take a little bit of a hit, but as long as Eddie Jackson's back there, like he's a reincarnation of Earl Thomas, man. He's special. Yeah, they were uh a lot of people compared him to Ed Reed even. Yeah. Ed Reed was getting thrown into the hat for maybe the new Bears secondary coach under uh Chuck Pagano. Wow. Also, this one was kind of disappointing. Sure. Terrell Suggs to the Cardinals. He went to ASU, Arizona State. But sure. franchise icon, and I, we just talked about Clay Matthews, uh, mm-hmm. also a franchise icon, not going back to Green Bay probably. But he departed Baltimore. He's there for so long. Yeah. Mark Ingram went to Baltimore. As you said, Earl Thomas, he's also in Baltimore. Yeah. Um, safeties were really prominent in this market. Safety market came back up. Eric Weddle got a, a nice, decent deal. Was it $14 million total or per year uh, from the Rams? I think it's total. Okay, and then there was one more safety who is failing me right now. Yeah, two-year contract for 12 and a half. Um, one more safety in my mind. Why am I forgetting Tyron Matthew? Matthew to the Chiefs. Yeah. That was for three years or so. Yeah, 14, Eric ba- 14 million a year. Yeah, and Eric Berry's still a free agent. Um, yeah. Eric Berry not looked great over the last few years. I think he had an ACL and then also Achilles, Achilles, Achilles which is and worse. Achilles, Achilles wrecks you. Your explosiveness, I hear, yeah. is just... He just, he just looked a step slow, and he's he's kind of getting up there in age, and so. Uh, and then Sad. I'm just rambling now, but Golden Tate to the Giants, Trent Brown to the Raiders, Quan Alexander to the 49ers. Yeah. Uh, Lev Bell. 
we gonna get into those. We're gonna get into Lev Bell. Should we just do that now? Sure. I'm like, I'm. There's still okay. Well, I mean, Lev Lev. I'm Lev Bell was free agency. Is that does that fit in our key of the week, or does Lev Bell fall into a four things we need to know, like a recap on the? Oh, because we were gonna talk about that. Oh, I so I misspoke at the recap. beginning. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna. I thought okay, that's a good call. Um, that's a whole topic in its own right, and we're gonna talk about it in its own right because it deserves sure. it. Uh, he got a four-year, fifty-three million deal. It could be worth up to sixty-one million. Yeah, and yeah. you had the numbers. What Pittsburgh offered him? Yeah, Pittsburgh offered him five years, seventy mil. I think forty-five of it was guaranteed. And the franchise tag is worth fourteen and a half. Yeah. So, what we talked about on Charlie Bevins' show today, the Friday, the fifteenth in March. Um, <laughs> was that, in a sense, not only did Le'Veon Bell lose money as he was fined for not showing up to training camp last year, but then he lost the 14.5 guarantee from the franchise tag. Mm-hmm. So he, he lost his year's worth of salary. He got fined from the 27, or his 2017 salary. You could view it as such that he lost that money. Yeah. And then he, he's going to get potentially less guaranteed than what he was offered by Pittsburgh. So NFL Network reported that the contract Pittsburgh offered him included $33 million guaranteed in the first two years with a value of $45 million over the first three years. But he couldn't – not all of that $45 million was guaranteed. Um, so he – it comes out to five, seven, five, five years, $70 million, uh, basically everything after that third year is non-guaranteed. Where with the Jets, I believe he's getting $36 million guaranteed. So, I mean uh, – it's more a slightly more money guaranteed, but through the first three years, it'll be probably about the same. And then after that, it's nothing really. You know, like I, I mean, it's less money on the top end. It looks less stupendous, but it's probably going to be about the same that he would have gotten. It's uh, it's just the way it happened. I yeah. think. It's, yeah. You well, set out for a year only to lose money and get what you probably would have got. Yeah. It. I. You know. I mean. He's in a situation that he'd rather be in, I guess. Now is out, York, of, man. out of that Pittsburgh locker room, away from Ben Roethlisberger, away from that kind of cancerous environment. To maybe not a better environment in in New York. I mean, we don't really know much about the New York situation. They're not great, and Sam Darnold's kind of on the up and up. But yeah, man, I I don't know. I I I think it's a good contract for the Jets. I think it gets a playmaker in the backfield. It allows Sam Darnold to not have to be the man. And I think for Lev Bell, look, he got to take a year off. You better you be got healthy. To chill. You better be healthy. You're gonna have a one year less bump and grind on your body when you're 27. Like, we'll see how it works. We'll see how it plays out. We'll see how it goes. 30 is a scary number for running backs. And if he comes back and if he gets hurt, and yeah, this could have been all for not this all this yeah. drama where if he gets hurt and maybe it's severe enough where they're like, yeah, we're gonna cut our losses, like. He's still getting all that 36 mil, though. His career could be over in a year, yeah. is my point, I guess. Yeah. And he took a year off only to, if that happens, that's like a worst-case scenario in my mind, where your career, you don't know when it's going to end as a running back. And yeah, Time is of the essence, I would say. You talked about Ben Roethlisberger. I think that's a good segue into the four things you need to know with Antonio Brown. Sure. Uh, cancerous locker room. If your two of your, your key p- players wanted to leave, and Antonio Brown was kind of a, a head case at the end, uh, our faculty advisor at Radio DePaul Sports, Scott Byverman, I think he said he grew up a Steelers fan in our class the other day. Sure. And he said he went on a rant. He was upset about your players, your teammates are on the field grinding, and you're in a fur coat on the sideline. Yeah. He was not happy. So we're talking about Ben Roethlisberger in the Cancer's locker room, but Antonio Brown, is he also to blame? I think maybe. I You know, I 
I want to put most of it on Ben because more people have kind of said that Ben was an issue. Um, I think Antonio Brown just wanted out. I think he just wanted to go. And, man, he got out. He got out. I think the Steelers got uh, kind of raked over the coals for that deal to get only a third and a fifth for him. Um, but he got out. He got his money. He got his fully guaranteed extension. He got everything he wanted in Oakland. And for Oakland, I mean, does this make sense? Yeah, I I, I think I'm so smart. Um, okay, I'm joking. But we talked about John Gruden. Everyone's talked about John Gruden trading Kalimak away and how you don't trade away a pass rusher of that. Yeah. Uh, you pay him, basically. So – you lose Kalimak for and you get a first round pick back as your first big mm-hmm. what big part of the deal was the 2019 first round pick from the Bears. I don't know if Oakland thought the Bears going to be were going to be bad, which if they did is a fair was a fair sure. outlook. Yeah. It's not. So that's a 20 in the, a pick in the 20s this year yeah. in the first round. So they lose that and in return for Antonio Brown, all they give up is a third and a fifth and then you acquired a first for Amari Cooper. So yeah. really Outside of the money, you're paying less to Antonio Brown than Khalil Mack, and you got a couple of first-round picks out of these deals because you, know, you upgraded your top receiver from Cooper to Brown. And you probably would have been paying Cooper about the same money that Brown's getting now. Which would have been a, a gross overpay probably. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're paying for a better player. You got draft capital, three first-round picks in total, including your own in 2019. Mm-hmm. But I think everyone's beef will always be – you traded Khalil Mack only to kind of just go out and do the opposite. Yeah. And you traded Khalil Mack because you didn't want to spend $90 million, and then you used that $90 million from Khalil Mack to get Antonio Brown and Trent Brown and Tyrell Williams. And, uh, oh, no, Joyner went to the Rams, right? No, Joyner came from the Rams to the Rams. Okay, so, but yeah. But, yeah, also Joyner, sure. But I think the $90 million from Khalil Mack is made up by just A.B., Trent Brown, Tyrell Williams. I'll say this. I mean, it, the the Mac thing might make sense because even after he left, I feel like the yeah. the news around Oakland is they had nothing around him anyway. Yeah, didn't matter. So maybe John Gruden was right to rebuild, and he has three first round picks to to build up the defense. It's just that you lost your your elite pass rusher. But what good is an elite pass rusher when your secondary is not going to capitalize on his uh, his presence and pick yeah. the ball off? Would have been squandered away. It's just wasting. I, I respect that almost, yeah. and even though. Back then, at the deal, and now it didn't make sense. And even with the Antonio Brown thing, it hurts the Mac trade mm-hmm. logic even more. Yeah, um, just weird things in Oakland. Yeah, man. And and my 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 last thing though is that I I like where they're going. Sure. Oddly enough, uh, ha- collecting all these picks makes me optimistic. I just don't know if uh, I trust John Gruden as an evaluator. John yeah. Gruden's. I mean, the guy didn't coach for ten years. That's the weird part. And they yeah. gave a ten year deal. Uh, uh, what? Yeah, it's, I know. It, it like it spooked me when it happened. I was just like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> he was the ESPN guy. Yeah, um, yeah. I well, I mean, we'll see how this Oakland front office like drafts going forward, but having all this draft capital puts them in a nice position. And I, I think like spreading out the money from Mac onto all these different guys like kind of makes sense. I just don't know if it'll be worth it. Yeah, it could essentially the way you look at it is. Okay, you you were maybe right to try to build a team by giving up get assets by giving up your best player, but if you don't come out on top from this and like yeah. get to the postseason because they were there with yeah. Lamac, then what is it for? You you traded him for nothing and it was going to be the same success levels potentially. Um, let's go on to the next key of the uh, fourth key of the week. Wow, next thing you need to know: Oda Beckham Jr. also got traded, yeah. and this trade made even more even less sense, I would say. 
The Giants talked about how we didn't re-sign Odell Beckham Jr. They gave him five years for $90 uh, million or so last August 2018. Yeah. Only to trade him to the Browns. Like, what? And so they, so the New York Giants traded Odell Beckham Jr. to the Browns. They got um, Jabril Peppers. Former first-round pick. Former first-round pick. I really like Jabril Peppers. I think a solid safety who's going to fill into that Landon Collins role pretty well. Um, That's key because they did let They let Landon Collins walk. Um, A first-round pick, I believe the 17th overall pick this year. Um, And then they also, didn't the Giants throw in like a third or a fourth-rounder and then like Olivier Vernon? It was uh, Beckham and Olivier Vernon for Peppers, uh, Kevin Zietler, who was the uh, the guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the Browns' first and third round picks from the Patriots, the third round picks from okay. the Patriots, which is lower than. Yeah, I, I I don't get it at all. It makes no sense to me that you would want to get rid of Odell Beckham Jr. That was going to be such a potent offense if you put anyone at quarterback other than Eli Manning. <laughs> um, I mean, if you improved that offensive line and then had the wide receiving core of Sterling Shepard and Odell Beckham Jr. with Saquon Barkley in the backfield. And then you wound up signing Golden Tate. And then you end up... Uh, what? Like... That might have been reactionary to trade it back yeah. up, but still, if like, you didn't, you got him. If you have those three, if you mm-hmm. have Sterling Shepard and Odell Beckham Jr. working on the outsides with Golden Tate on the inside, Saquon and Barkley. Saquon Barkley, and Evan Ingram is your That's that solid. eleven personnel setup is great yep. with anyone other than Eli Manning at quarterback. Yep. But instead, the Giants decided to build around Eli Manning, who's getting paid like twenty eight million dollars this year and is like thirty nine years old. Like what? I don't get it, man. There's no direction. That's the key. I don't. There's no direction. I don't think they're building around Manning because he's 36, 37, uh, maybe 30. I don't know. He's he's, he's old. 38, um, 38. So I think he has a year left. They're gonna the 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 smart move before trading Beckham and now you really should. How old is he? He's 38. Okay. So the smart move before trading Odell Beckham Jr. and I think Manning's age alone, you have to stick with it. Draft a quarterback. If Kyler Murray goes number one, get Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. It would have made more sense to have Haskins with. Shepard, Beckham, and Saquon Barkley. I think I originally heard, I thought, uh, the first deal I thought was just uh, Olivia Vernon for Ziegler, straight up. The Giants not had a bad, bad They had a bad line last yeah, year. Yeah, not a bad deal. Bad. Great your line. Im- immobile quarterback in Eli Manning. If yeah. they got Haskins, not much better mobility there. <laughs> um, so you, you would have upgraded your line yeah. and had the weapon still in the good quarterback, whether he played the first year, who knows. And now you have... Okay, you replaced the safety that you weren't going to pay with the promising young player. But Jabril Peppers got to get paid soon, too. Yeah. Like Jabril Peppers, this is, I think, going into his third or fourth year. Like, he's going to have to get paid, too. He's got that fifth-year option, but he's going to have to get paid, too. So now you're just resetting where you're at in the safety position. Yep. You've gotten rid of a franchise cornerstone wide receiver who's been a verifiable first option every single year he's been in the NFL. With no one around him, really, all with this time. no one around him. Yep. Sterling Shepard's great, but... Man, it just makes no sense to me. The Giants are just a mess. And now it's like you didn't get a Browns pick of years past. Yeah, you got the 17th overall. Yeah, not not a top five pick. It's not even (laughs) like they made this trade before thinking that the Browns were going to be bad. Like they knew what this pick is going to be. And I'm pretty sure, I think Gina Scioli, who's our avid Browns fan of the station at Radio Paul Sports, I think she said... Like, they talked about it just, was it you or her, just a week before, we're not going to trade Old Beckham Jr. Yeah, like a few weeks before, it was was Gina said it, a few weeks before, they said they're not going to trade Old Beckham Jr. It's crazy. You made the the good point, too. Had they traded him before March 1st, they have $16 million to to pay pay him. They have to pay him signing bonus Dead cap hit, yeah. They're hamstringing themselves in free agency to fill out their roster. They got rid of a franchise cornerstone for a 17th overall pick, which... 
hey, guess what? And you're still paying the guy after trading him. You're still paying the guy <laughs> after trading him, and that 17th round, that 17th overall pick is likely not going to turn into anyone as talented as Odell Beckham Jr. Because no Odell shot. Beckham Jr. is like a top five in the draft type of talent. And you got a, I mean, 12th overall pick, so first round talent. You you traded your 12th overall pick, who's turned into more than that for less you pr- capital. You pray, <laughs> you pray that your 12th overall pick reaches Odell Beckham Jr. Heights. You pray that your first overall pick reaches Odell Beckham Jr. Heights. This is, like, same with Khalil Mack, is, like, these are the kind of guys that you pray that your draft picks turn into, and you pray that you get the chance to give them the biggest contract in history because these are the guys that win you games. And they got rid of them for uh, nothing. I to like, reset at the safety position. I like Tankathon uh, for NBA, but they do other mock drafts for, like, NHL and NFL. Sure. Whatever... Wherever they get this knowledge from, I think they just accumulate uh, mock drafts from like professional ones. Yeah, they say Giants projected to get Byron Murphy, DB from Washington, who was pretty stellar at Washington, if I'm not wrong. But okay, you you traded your franchise <sighs> wide receiver for a DB. I, yeah, <laughs> all right. And you you do have two first round picks now, and that's key. Like DK Metcalf will probably be off the board before 17. Like, the Giants need to use six on a quarterback. Fifteen, they say, projected. Yeah, like, Metcalf's probably off the board. Like, uh, are you going Hollywood Brown? Like, are you going up. A.J. Brown? Or what, are you, what are your plans? A.J. Brown's the next projected uh, 22 yeah. to the Ravens. So. I, and I'm not that high. Like, I don't think A.J. Brown is an Odell Beckham Jr. type talent. I like, think there's a drop-off from Metcalf. Yeah. Slight drop-off, There's a f- uh, Yeah. And we, we, the thing with Metcalf is, like, there isn't that much in the production side. It's just all in the speculative. Zion Williamson of football. Yeah. The it's body. The, it's, yeah. But, I mean, with, at least with Zion, like, we see this production. Like, Metcalf's numbers over the last few years, nothing. They were pretty scarce, right? He didn't, not, he didn't get action. Yeah. No, he was hurt. Like, I think he was hurt last year. 26 it's, receptions, 570 yards, 5 yeah, touchdowns, like he, 2018 he, season. He doesn't – he runs fast. But he, <laughs> he's not necessarily a – honed and ready NFL wide receiver right now. Like, he's pretty physically raw. He's pretty, like, er, not physically, pretty, like, technically raw when it comes to, like, running routes and stuff. Yeah. Oda Beckham Jr. is one of the most gifted route runners, most gifted hands, uh, stellar in every way, stellar at every single level, as a deep threat, as an over-the-middle guy, as a boundary guy, as a underneath guy, as a run-after-the-catch guy, in the screen game, in everything. He was special. And it makes no sense. And... You, you're, you're, you're now, where's your direction? <laughs> now what are you doing? I didn't want to say this on the show with Gina around. Gina, if you hear this, I'm sorry, but this is, it isn't really even insulting. It's more of a compliment to what yeah. the Browns have turned into. Yeah. The Giants are turning into the new Browns yeah, that man. they're just doing stuff and you're like, what? And you're like, what are you doing? Because the Browns are doing it. It's like, oh, good moves. Yeah. And the well, Giants like. Browns filled their front office with former Packers guys. John Dorsey, Elliott Wolf running so the Browns front office. And John Dorsey's been making moves What do we there. see? A lot of success. The Green Bay Packers tree is is a tree ripe for success to be rooted from. Huge. Um, let's get on to the next one. Sure. DePaul women's basketball uh, won their second straight Big East Conference tournament. Four of the last six now. Um, they've they've made the game appearance. They've made an appearance in the game yeah. five of the six years. They lost to Marquette in 2017. We were supposed to be on the call for this game. Yeah. I had work obligations that I – Went a poor route of getting out of and could have switched the shift and didn't. Sure. You had pneumonia. I almost died. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I was very ill. Uh, I didn't almost die. I was just very sick in my bed for a week straight. You've uh, had pneumonia for longer than a week, and you just found out about it. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. They, they were kind of like, we think you've had this. You, you, we think you have walking pneumonia. You've had this for a while. 
and this is a flare up. I was like, oh, fun. Uh, <laughs> and so I've been bedridden for a week. This is kind of my first full day out into the world. Well, I, welcome. I had class yesterday and took a nice nap afterwards. <laughs> and this is my first day uh, out and about. Uh, yeah, man. The Paul women beat Marquette on a last second play from Shante Stonewall. Uh, takes it to the left, takes it to the right, finishes up on high on the glass, gets the foul, hits the free throw. With, I think, five seconds left to give DePaul the the lead. Um, Natisha Heidemann, uh, Marquette's stellar point guard, perhaps one of the fastest people I've ever seen exist in the real world, um, missed the game winner for Marquette as time expired. DePaul walked out not having led since very early on in the game. They trailed almost the entire game uh, to come back and win with five seconds left. It was really an exceptional game, an exceptional like call. Yeah. Yeah. We we actually have audio of that call. Yeah, we have yeah. There's audio of that call somewhere. Let's listen to it. Here here it is. Here's a Bastahadwala and Ryan Witchery. And Lexi Halb's gonna pass it in. Campbell and Stonewall at the three point line. Gray's down low and Millinder all the way in the right corner. Held gets it into Campbell. Campbell guarded by Blockton. Campbell to Stonewall. Stonewall driving to the rim goes up, gets it to fall and one. Stonewall with an incredible, incredible shot, getting to the rim, knocking down Blockton. And Stonewall ties it up with a chance to win it. All right, there you go. It was energetic. Abbas does a good job on the call. My, I'm always trying to tell him, dude, you got to get amped up. Like, yeah, man. He's very uh, mildly toned. Sure. He's not a guy who's like, Rah! Yeah, but he's he, pretty down to earth. He tells it really well, though. He, he tells the scene well. It's just I'm like, dude, that was a huge moment. Like, you don't, gotta get up. Don't bro. reserve yourself. Yeah. Boom. He's like, I wasn't gonna reserve my fandom there because yeah, I saw him pump his fist in the yeah. Fox broadcast. But I'm like, <laughs> dude, you should be like, and one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but that that was uh three three of four of six, actually, I should say. Yeah. Uh back to back. And now they have their automatic bid into the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Look, here's the thing. DePaul dropped out of the top twenty five this year. Yeah. Um, even though they, they won their uh, their conference tournament, right? And yeah. they, they've been, I think it's 11 wins in a row now for DePaul. Yeah, DePaul, the last rankings, I saw they were 26th um, like for like the everything ranking. They were 26th. University of South Dakota was, I think, 27, and South Dakota State University was 28. Um, so, so that's they're projected to be a 7 seed by uh, Bracketology on ESPN. So yeah, that's a chance to do some damage as a 7 seed. They're, they're projected to play Auburn in Louisville. Here's the thing, though. The Chicago region is hosting the NCAA tournament. And the Sweet 16 and Elite 8, there are yeah. games at Winchester Arena. Yeah. Why would you not throw DePaul in the Chicago region? I don't care what seed they are. Yeah, that is silly. It's the Notre Dame region, but... It, it, it sh- DePaul should be involved in that. You want to make money off the tickets? Yeah. Do you want to get exposure? If you put DePaul in this region and they get to the Sweet 16... Uh, can you imagine? They would be up against... Let's see. Let's do math here. They would be probably against the two seed, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. So it wouldn't be against Notre Dame. But Notre Dame-DePaul, if that was the draw, if DePaul maybe moves up to like a six seed yeah, or a four seed or eight like maybe not. Maybe the, the math would be wrong. If they sure. went down to an eighth seed, yeah, they could potentially get Notre Dame. That's a sold-out at Wintrust Arena. Easily. Yeah. And we would get to do those games. Yeah. So selfishly at Radio DePaul Sports. Selfishly, yeah. We really want those. Sources tell me it would be you and I on the call. Yeah. So sure. selfishly, I would love to us to do that. I'd like to be back on the call. Uh, now that you're healthy, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So they need to get into the Chicago region, <laughs> not the Albany region playing bogus. in Louisville. Yeah, bogus. We, we're not sending the DePaul women up to Albany, New York. No chance. You yeah. need to stay at home and win us win games here. Either Chicago or we don't want to be in the tournament. <laughs> no, I'm joking because they're, they're automatic bid. Uh, 
But yeah, they're they're going back to another they're the pride and joy of yeah. Paul University. Men lost their game against St. John's. They beat St. John's twice in the regular season. Max Drews had 43 points the second game. Yeah, it's hard to beat a good team three times. That's true. That's very true. Um, the Paul men found a way back to 500. They finished the season, <laughs> right? Yeah, 15 15. I don't think they're going to get into the NIT. The next one down, I think CBI, CBI, CIT, something like that. This is you know that you don't know that I name. didn't even know that existed. Yeah, you know I don't know the name that kind of shows this the, yeah, the didn't level. Didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, um, that's where they'll be probably, but let's not butcher the women's segment with. I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to talk about that game. Now the women, game. the women won uh, 74-73 last second. It was uh, as if you read anything on SB Nation, it was SB Nation's top moment of the conference tournament. Nice uh, for women's deservedly so. Deservedly so. It was a huge moment and a a a. Fantastic uh, thing for DePaul to win another Big East conference title. And we're a podcast, so we're not. We have the audio, as you heard. But the look up video, Shantae Stonewall and yeah. one, she just bodies the yeah, Marquette great, defender. great setup to get her in isolation, and then just the aggression to go right at it. She's man, Shantae Stonewall's really, really good. She's strong. She's like has a she long wingspan. Yeah. yeah, that's she can finish. She can shoot. She can rebound. She can she handle the basketball. She can do it all. She's she did, really she impressive. She's in the three well in the tournament. Um, all right, from great news to I'm not going to call it somber because it's not – sorry, I kicked your shoe there, Matt. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> uh, more so angry angry news, disappointing news, if true. Tyreek Hill uh, is getting investigated for alleged battery. This is the Chiefs wide receiver. Uh, Kareem Hunt, the Chiefs running back, the Chiefs cut him loose in the regular season in 2018 for an incident where he he kicked a woman. And now a couple months later, Tyreek Hill, their other skill player, who these were their top two offensive weapons, he's getting investigated. But the incident is with a juvenile. And um, the Kansas City star, what they're reporting is that he, his three-year-old son, his, the son's arm was broke in this incident. Yeah. Um, it was against the son, and the fiancé has been in contact with the police. So if true... Some people have said because he had issues in college where he got kicked out of uh, Oklahoma State before the NFL draft that he should be banned for the NFL for life. Um, I have no idea how the NFL will handle this. I mean, this is kind of a, a, a watershed moment, I think, for the NFL's player conduct policy. is like Kind of a put-up-or-shut-up almost. Yeah, it's a real put-up-or-shut-up. We're not sure if it's true yet. Uh, I, it's all developing. Yeah, he hasn't been arrested yet. He's not been charged with a crime. Um, the NFL declined comment. Um, but oh, this is a I, this is a big moment for the NFL to to prove that they are like on the right track with this kind of stuff, or that they really don't care that much. This is the same day that Cream Hunt was given eight game suspension um, for his incident, yeah. and. Not to make one seem better than the other. Yeah, can't compare that kind of stuff. I just would say breaking a child's arm, let alone, you know, your own child, like like that's that's just you don't ever force what it, yeah. Society we don't condemn any we don't we, we condemn all any at bad incident, right? We yeah, don't sure. incur it, obviously. The Kareem Hunt thing, you see that and you're almost uh what's the word I'm looking for here? You're you're um you're not immune to it. You're you're desensitized. You're desensitized. You've seen, we've seen NFL players with these kind of domestic violence against like women before. Like that's that's something that we see consistently consistently in the NFL. Like kind of has an idea of how they deal with that kind of stuff. We've not seen someone beating their 
child. Like, Break a three-year-old's arm. Yeah, like we had the Adrian Peterson thing with the Switch a few years ago, um, but nothing really to this degree ever before in the NFL. You it, said it's a watershed moment. Yeah. yeah I, I, I think this could be kind of a, a, a major moment for how the NFL handles stuff. And I don't want to say anything more i feel like i was turning down a bad path there after saying nothing sure yeah no i was really worried about where that was going you kind of turned it around you kind of found your your groove i was really worried about where you were going i, I would I, well, like we said <laughs> bottom line is there's nothing worse not sure. one is not worse than the other yeah but it's certainly a watershed moment yeah um let's do yeah, this is this is a uh, heavy stuff going to we're, this is an interesting way we formatted this today. Sure, yeah, um, we're all over the board today. We have a fun segment every week, and maybe just to end it on a, I don't want to call it a, a happy note. Sure. Trend upward, a positive yeah, note. Yeah, yeah, no, let's trend upwards. Here. We, we share all news. Zion yeah. Williamson returns to the court. That's our Zion segment is the, oh, the yeah, fun yeah. segment Zion of the update. week. Um, he busted through his shoe. Yeah. The Paul George shoes that you despise. The budgets. I wear these shoes. I know. I don't despise them. You I do don't, despise them. I don't despise <laughs> them. It's, look, look, look. <laughs> Zion Williamson needs shoes made of iron and Kevlar. <laughs> that man is, if if Zion Williamson entered the NBA, he'd be like the third heaviest player in the NBA. He's like a 200. He'd be the heaviest behind he's, Boban. He, he's 285 pounds. That's ridiculous. He Look, Paul George's shoes are made for a s- silky smooth 200 pound swing man. 6'7, 220 pounds. Like, these are different. Zion Williamson is a tank, a man made out of tank materials who can (laughs) crash to the basketball hoop and cuts like nobody's business. He needs LeBron shoes or like straight military grade Kevlar. And of course he ripped through those PGs, man. They were made for him. Those are made for Paul George, not the human tank. So naturally, you're saying he, uh, you know, he needs some tank shoes. Naturally, yeah, man, he needs. He, I think he needs like some old Jordans, like those old, like real leather Jordans from the '90s. Well, what, natu- what do they got him in now? Naturally, Nike sent uh, representatives to Durham to make a custom uh, issue of a shoe. Yeah, the Kyrie, who is a point guard. Yeah, sure. So the Kyrie fours. These are these aren't. Available in the stores. They made this shoe. It's last year's model. Yeah, and they made a custom version of it. Yeah. So it's structurally different. Um, so you're not going to get this in Kevlar. retail. I, they, they probably threw some uh, rubber in there. <laughs> some uh, some steel. Some steel. What's it called? Uh, vibranium. Aluminum? Yeah, the, sure. Your the favorite Marvel, one. Marvel yeah, reference no, there. The Marvel ones. Matt does not watch the Marvels. Uh, I'm not going to. product. I'm not going to say you They're don't like that. selling a product to you. It's not art. They're I'm, selling you a product. I just gave them free <laughs> marketing there. Yeah. Great job, Tim. Uh, not really. Um, yeah, but Zion Williamson, he came back, and they they defeated Syracuse on Thursday, and now they are playing North Carolina as we speak. But Zion Williamson, he, he really did not miss a beat. No. Um, he didn't miss a shot either, right? I think he started <laughs> like nine. He was nine for nine and a half. I think he, I think he ended 13 of 13. I don't think he missed a shot. I think he came back and didn't miss a shot in his first game back. So he finished the night 30 minutes. Oh, no, this is wrong. Okay. 13 to 13, 36 minutes, 29 points. You're smarter than me. 14 didn't rebounds. Miss a beat. Didn't miss a beat. Came back and didn't miss a beat or a shot. He, he missed seven free throws, though. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about that efficiency later. It's, we'll it's talk not, about it another day. Yeah, no. He didn't. He dunked, he dunks everything. He, he doesn't, he's got great touch around the basket. He Five steals, too. Yeah. That's what you you get Zion Williamson on the break. It's over for the college game. 
And that's that's all she wrote. What's your final thoughts? You got any final thoughts? No. No final thoughts. I'd love to see that. All right. This was the 11th edition of the From the Loop podcast. We have cool stuff. Cheeseheads in Chicagoland podcast is yeah. doing things. Get that anywhere you get your podcast. Uh, we have sports ball making its debut with a, a basketball episode. Reviewing the official NBA ball. Yeah. Spalding. Yeah. And then well, big... it's it's the replica of the official. The official costs like $170. And I that's not in our podcast budget. We're we're not paying $170 for a ball. We only pay for shoes that much. Sure. You're gonna review you're gonna review a baseball too. Yeah, we got a baseball in there. And then we're gonna hopefully be talking to DePaul basketball recruit. That's in motion as well. And I keep teasing that, so I'm hoping that at some point. The next time I can have a real update for it. Yeah, sure. Uh, but now I'm just... I'm just just throw tease. it out there. Yeah. Don't say it, but we did it. We did a thing. Yeah. We're doing things. All right. All right. Thanks for listening. For Matt Melvin, I'm Tim Stubbins. Peace.